Hello, lovelies, and welcome to our Friday episode of Friday Quickies. I think that's what we're calling it. Maybe I called it something different last week. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I don't know. The point is, on Fridays, we do quickies. We do hot takes on whatever is happening in the world of social media, you know, so that you have something to talk about at your kid's never-ending basketball practice over the weekend. This weekend, I am actually leaving my children. I'm getting on a plane in about an hour to fly to Seattle to go to the Madonna concert. The Madonna concert on Sunday. My child-free friends who have a lot of money because they're not raising children booked a suite for the Madonna concert. So I ordered myself a sparkly gem-studded bra from the Amazons, and I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it like a virgin, and I'm going to party hard, or as hard as I party these days, and I'm going to vogue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all, all the voguing. I'm very, very, very excited for this. But you know what I'm most excited for? Being on a plane alone. I love flying by myself. I write the best when I fly myself. And you know what I'm going to be writing? My trad wife murder mystery. Yep, yep. I've already put part of it up on the Substack, and I'm going to be releasing it in installments, much like Charles Dickens. In fact, just just think of me like the Charles Dickens of trad wife thriller murder mysteries. That's what I am. Joe Piazza, Charles Dickens. The same. Okay. What stories are we bringing you today? Well, Instagram and Threads decided that they will no longer promote what they believe is political content. Here's the problem. No one actually knows what they define as political. That's not even a joke. And no one thinks that this is going to get rid of the terrible, ridiculous, world-destroying disinformation that is on Instagram. No, no, no. It's probably just going to get rid of the good stuff that we follow, like Emily in your phone. You all know Emily in your phone. She brings us incredible progressive news on a regular basis. I called her up because I want to know how this might impact her account and what we can do to support her content. Hey, Joe, this is Emily Amick at Emily in your phone on Instagram. So I've been doing a lot of empirical research. One thing I can definitely tell you is that Instagram posts about cooking and trad wifey content uh, that don't in- include politics are doing a lot better than anything that includes politics for what our followers can do if they actually want to see our content. So the only thing that I have really seen actually work is for someone to engage with my content as if they are literally my friend. So like screenshot my story and being like oh emily add emily in your phone blah 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 Uh, because then instagram will think you guys are really actual friends and they will show you their content you have to engage with the content though 
The other ideas that people have had, we don't really know what is going to work. So obviously follow, make someone a favorite. Uh, you can, if you search for someone on FYP, uh, you can mark yourself interested in their content. We don't know how that's going to impact. Also, some people, not that many, have the ability to go into their settings, content preferences, and toggle for political content. Um, there's some toggles in there. For everyone, it's a little different. We don't really know what what the outcome is going to be on that. What's been really interesting is that the biggest place where people are seeing dings is actually stories, not on feed, uh, which isn't exactly what Meta told us was going to happen. The biggest concern here is that there is no definition of political, and there's no definition of what news is. And while there are a lot of things I do not want to see on my Instagram feed, I also don't think that they are capable of determining what is political or what is news. Next up, we have something that's very, very important. Very important. Taylor Swift. I mean, really, just the Taylor Swift effect, generally. Apparently, Taylor's boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, he plays a sport. He's a sports person. His podcast that he hosts with his brother, Jason Kelsey, Go Eagles, Go Birds, their podcast is now apparently more popular than This American Life and Smartless. Yep, yep. Why do we think that is? Why? It's definitely the Taylor Swift effect. Between October and December, New Heights, the Kelsey podcast, was the sixth most popular podcast, up from being number 67 the prior quarter. What changed between those quarters, my friend? One thing. Taylor fucking Swift. And last but certainly not least, Minnesota has joined the seven other states to protect children of influencers. Here to talk about it is friend of the pod, incredible journalist, Fortessa Latifi. This week, Minnesota joined the seven other states that have pending legislation that would protect the monetary gains and in some cases, the privacy of child influencers. So there are eight states total that have introduced legislation that would do this. And there's only one state in the entire country, and that's Illinois, where there is actually a law in place, which is so bananas because this is a multi-billion dollar, decades-old industry. This is not new, but we only have one state where the earnings of these kids are protected which basically means that in 49 other states, they could, these kids could, you know, work their entire lives and then reach the age of 18 and have nothing to show for it, which is just totally bananas. And these states are trying to fix that. So the states that are working on legislation for that are Maryland, California, Georgia, Missouri, Ohio, Washington State, Arizona, and Minnesota. And Washington State introduced theirs in 2023, but all the rest of those states, those seven other states, all introduced the legislation in the first month of 2024. Which I think really just shows the way that we're thinking about the child influencer industry and how that's changing because we went from having one law passed in 2023 and only two proposed to seven proposed just in these first few weeks of 2024. So if you're interested in this at all, 
follow me anywhere. I'm at High Fortessa, H-I-F-O-R-T-E-S-A. I'll be tracking all of this and I will keep you updated. We have now one last fun thing. My friend Nora from Terrible Thanks for Asking. Yes, yes, all the podcasters you love are friends. That is that is a true thing. She's dropping a new podcast that's totally awesome. Why is it totally awesome? Because Nora helped make it and also because it's about swingers. Yep, yep. It is called Time Capsule, The Silver Chain. In the early 1990s, a cache of abandoned newsletters found its way from a safety deposit box in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to the state's historical society. The newsletters detailed the inner workings of a secret 1970s swinger society, the Silver Chain Social Club. Fifty years later, TV writer and host Paul Diddy tracks down the club's surviving members to uncover the group's mysterious history and the ties that connected its members long after the swingers club closed its doors for good. Yeah, I want to listen to all those episodes immediately. Nora, Nora just sent me the trailer and I wrote back to her, oh my god, give it to me, I'm going to put it in this episode. When someone says they're a swinger, we all pretty much know what that entails. Very important in a party house. Two bathrooms, and then on this side, it's kind of a television room, but it's also, well, if you pardon the expression, kind of a make-out room. In the early 1990s, an envelope arrived at the Minnesota Historical Society. Inside that envelope were the contents of an abandoned safe deposit box from First Bloomington Lake National Bank. And with the arrival of that one envelope, their collection now included newsletters from the 1970s, mimeographed and folded like church bulletins, and credited to an organization based in Bloomington, Minnesota, an organization called the Silver Chain Social Club. Month by month, these newsletters chronicled family camping trips. We went tubing down at the Apple River, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. Monthly dances. We always just referred to it as a dance club. And discussion panels like women's changing role in society and don't fuck like a truck. Because behind closed doors, the Silver Chain was a well-organized swingers group comprising over 100 couples. For over a year, I've been scouring these old newsletters, these relics of 1970s Minnesota. And like any time capsule, the objects are the first thing that caught my interest. But it's the people behind the objects that became my obsession. Okay, I, ha I have a picture of me in this beautiful red dress. Pretty sexy. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I read uh, in, in the newsletters, there are multiple times where they're describing your outfit. Really? Yeah, in detail. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. The further I delved into these newsletters, the more questions I had. But 50 years later, many of the Silver Chain's members are no longer alive. And for those who are living, well... They're not exactly excited to hear from a stranger who discovered a secret society that they thought was long gone. Please delete me from your list and whoever else might be on your list that you haven't already contacted. 
Thank you very much. Goodbye. But for every person who does not want to discuss the silver chain, there are plenty of others who do. So many people that you just flutter around and talk to everybody and yeah, it's just fun. I was kind of a social butterfly. And the more I dug, the more questions I had. Somebody's daughter joined. I'm almost certain that it was, it was Judy. Because the silver chain, it's a different type of whodunit. When you would have the parties at your penthouse, uh, how many couples would you invite? Well, 20, 30. 30 couples? In a group based on secrecy, where members knew each other only by first name, what possessed someone to store these newsletters away? And how did a club like this function in a conservative Minnesota suburb? Well, Hal and Terry decided they were going to make a lot of money and they were going to manufacture ecstasy. Hal had the money. Terry had the brains. What happened to the club? And what can we learn about ourselves and our own relationships from the experiences of our grandparents' generation? I didn't expect to tell my whole life story about my, my ex and my husband and all this sort of jazz. And that's, well, you know, that's probably some of that I would, wouldn't mind having the kids know about. Yeah. So mom went from dependent to a strum. It's a big deal. In Time Capsule Season 1, we're time traveling back to the 1970s, exploring the long-term effects of a suburban subculture and discovering how these couples found a way to both connect and reinvent themselves. We'll find out the truth about the silver chain and what was left behind. Because in the case of the silver chain, some time capsules are never meant to be discovered at all. Hello. This call is being recorded. Hi, Carol. You guys do not realize you're playing with fire. And that's all we've got for today, friends. I am getting on a plane, I'm putting on that sparkly bra, and I am gonna vogue until I pass out in a bathroom. Go do something nice for yourself. You deserve it.